Hey, what up? And welcome to the Water With Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host, and I am a fellow 20-something creating this podcast for you, my 20-something friends, or 20-somethings at heart. My hope and prayer is that you walk away from each episode feeling encouraged, challenged, and refreshed in your walk with the Lord. I invite some legit older, wiser women on to help us along this journey and remind us that we will indeed survive. I am pumped that you're here. Hey ladies, welcome back to the podcast and thanks for joining in on this week's episode. This week I am sitting down with Amanda Hope Haley. Guys, I am telling you, Amanda is one smart cookie and I was seriously so engaged and interested in my conversation with her. We talk all about her new book, which is called Mary Magdalene Never Wore Blue Eyeshadow. So interesting, right? And all the adventures that led up to it. I am super excited to share this conversation with you, and I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. So let's get on with it. All right. Well, hey, Amanda. Welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. I'm excited to have you today. I'm excited to be here. This sounds like a lot of fun. And I love water with lemon. That's what I order everywhere. (laughs) Right? I know. I'm like, that's such a fun, like, Whenever you're at a restaurant, I always like make jokes whenever people are like, what do you want to drink? And I like look at everybody. I'm like, water with lemon. (laughs) (laughs) It's like an insight for your table. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, have you guys ever heard? No. (laughs) It is so fun. And you're right. It's just so good. Why would you have water without lemon? I don't know. know. (laughs) But how about you just start us off, Amanda, and tell us a little bit about yourself and what your life looks like these days. Um, well, I, I am 38 years old and I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is right where Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia come together. Um, we've only been here for a few years before we got here. My husband and I kind of moved all over the country. I got my master's degree at Harvard, um, in the Boston area right after I graduated from undergrad and my hubby was there with me. Then we moved back to Nashville, which is our hometowns and lived there for a while. Mm -hmm. And then we moved out to Denver with his job and now we've landed here so we've kind of we're nomads travel around hey at least Um, there's really fun places you know I think yeah and you get different experiences and different perspectives on things and um yeah I'm glad we've gotten to do that but we're we're settled here we think Chattanooga is going to be home and I I am back to being an author I right now I'm working on what will be my next book it's going to come out February of 2021 so I'm writing that and I'm also in the process of doing some healing I'm going into physical therapy five days a week I was I was in um, Israel all summer on an archaeological dig and then touring around the country and my Fitbit exploded. Like I, I, it's, it's, it's literally physically cracked. It looks terrible. Um, But it also like, isn't really working anymore. It just, I blew it up with how many steps and everything. And I uh, really hurt my hip uh, while I was working with a pickaxe one day. So um, Mm. I'm 38. Most of the people in the square were like 19. So one day I was in the square and when you're, when you're doing an archeological dig, you're, you have to either bend over or squat the whole time. You're not supposed to sit down on your bottom or put your knees down because that can really damage the, the, the stratigraphy of the dirt. And so Mm -hmm. there was this day that I was like straddling 
let's call it a curvy wall that we had excavated. And I had like one leg up high on the bulk and one on the other side of the wall. And I was trying to pickaxe in between the two. And something about that strange configuration in the work that I was doing, like I hurt my hip like bad. So <laughs> anyway, getting, getting over that. Yes. But it's so yeah. cool that you had that opportunity. I mean, that sounds amazing. It was, it's, it's my love. When I was in under, when I was an undergrad, I discovered biblical archaeology and fell in love with it. And I was lucky enough to have uh, undergraduate professors who were themselves Harvard graduates and they recommended that I apply. And um, I'm sure with their help and their, their recommendations, I actually got in. So um, once I got to Harvard, I um, started digging with them. We went out to, there's a place called Ashkelon. That's where I dug when I was I'll say I was like 22 at that point, much, much younger. Um, and then I took about a 15 year hiatus for life to happen. And this is my first year back and I'm already, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to go back to Shimron next year. It, it was, it was wonderful. I loved doing it in spite of all pain. <laughs> right. So you can just heal up before your next journey over there. Yes. And strengthen my lower core. That is what we are working on. Yeah, <laughs> my clearly, lower core is like... wobbly. Yeah, that sounds crazy to just constantly be like squatting and bending over and, you know, not not being able to just kind of like sit and work. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's intense. It's intense. And I mean, eventually you have to. It's like you just can't hold yourself up anymore. But, um, you know, you don't want to let the directors of the dig see you doing that. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Don't touch their precious start. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And so I heard you mention that you know, life got kind of crazy and you had to kind of take a hiatus. So let's kind of talk about, you know, your 20s when you were in school and kind of just all about your 20s. What what was good about your 20s? What was hard? Tell us about all the things. Um, my 20s in general were, I guess they were hard. Like if you look at it on paper, um, mm-hmm. Harvard is hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I think, yeah, um, I think everybody knows that one. It's, yeah, <laughs> it, it's difficult. And um, what I, I, I graduated from there with intentions to go back for my PhD to continue with, um, with archaeology and like become a professor that obviously didn't happen. Um, but we, when we moved back to Nashville, um, my husband and I, we got settled, you know, things were looking really good. I was working on a Bible translation project with Thomas Nelson at that point. And, uh, we decided to try to start having a family. And, um, over seven years, we went through basically two complete rounds of infertility treatments at two different Mm. hospitals. And, um, we had multiple miscarriages and I mean, it was a very difficult and challenging, I mean, Mm -hmm. hard, you you can imagine very difficult time. So that, that really colored my twenties. And, but as hard as all of that was, um, we're, we're the couple who, who came out on the other side without having a child, uh, none of the fertility treatment. I, I never had what they call a live birth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, God worked on, God worked on me so much during that time. And I really learned what it means to be, to be in God's will. And it's not about, me praying for what I want and God giving me what I want. It's about me being pliable and willing to listen to him and go where he wants me to go. And it, 
I can look back now and see if it weren't for everything we went through. Um, I wouldn't have written my first book, which is called Buried Among the Fruitful. Uh, mm-hmm. I wrote that for Thomas Nelson. Um, the people I worked with at the publishing house actually asked me to write it. And so that's how I got into mm-hmm. book writing and publishing. And doing that um, led me into, you know, this this longer career as an author. And, you know, today, because we don't have any children, any children, I'm in a position to hopefully teach about the Bible, talk to the Bible, spend a lot of time, you know, talking to podcasts (laughs) and doing things like that. And then also, I mean, I I get to spend six weeks in Israel over the summer digging. Um, I'm, I'm able to, to do things, hopefully, you know, for God and his kingdom as he's leading me that I would have really no interest in if, if I were a mom or they certainly wouldn't be my priority. So I'm, I'm actually almost thankful for everything that we went through because of the way my relationship with God has grown and because I can see how it, he has a desire to use me in a different way than he uses a lot of other women. That's so cool how he just used your story and being able to, you know, cause I think sometimes topics like that mm-hmm. can be really touchy and maybe people aren't necessarily willing to talk about it as much because it's so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but that if it affects so many people. Yeah, it does. And I think it's a lot, I think it's easier to talk about now. And maybe that's my perspective. Maybe it's because I'm sort of on the other side of it, but it seems to me that, you know, more public figures are coming out and talking about it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I hope that is the case because yeah. when I, when I went through it, I, when I, when I wrote Buried Among the Fruitful, I say that like I wrote the book that I didn't, didn't have in the market, the book that I wish right. I could find. Right. And it, you know, I mean, I, it's, I call it like a primer on, mm-hmm. <laughs> on infertility. Cause I mean, I, I talked about, um, the, just the process itself. But I mean, I have a chapter in uh, about your faith and about your marriage and all these things, because my experience through it was as a Christian woman, overwhelmingly was people coming to me and saying things like, well, you know, you're, you're a, you're a good person. You love God. If you pray for a baby, he'll give it to you. You know, Sarah was 99 before she, you know, had a baby or all of these mm-hmm honestly, platitudes that are very well intentioned. But when you're going through infertility, I know I struggled with feeling like not only was my body broken, but my faith must have been broken as well because God wasn't mm-hmm. hearing me. God wasn't sure. giving me a baby the way he did Sarah and all of that. And I realize now that's mm-hmm. not the case. And God doesn't want his daughters feeling that way. And right. more and more of his daughters are finding themselves in in that position these days. So mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. So now I'm on the other side. I actually don't talk about infertility very much these days, but um, I yeah. do like to have the opportunity to to encourage women that it's it's not your fault, and it's not that God's not hearing you or anything like that. God just may have a different path for you in mind. Mm-hmm. So anyway, <laughs> even though it's hard. Yeah. It's oh, hard it is. In those things where it's like, I'm telling you my desires, you say to lay my desires at your feet and I don't mm-hmm. feel like you are answering this. And it's like, you know, the one thing that your body was created to do yeah. is what kind of people say. And so feeling Absolutely. like you can't tap into that is, is really hard. So that was your first book, right? And now yes. you yeah. came out with a book 
When when did Mary Magdalene come out? Uh, October fifteenth. So it's been out yeah, so, uh, almost six weeks. It's a newbie. Yeah, it's a newbie. She's yeah. she's new. Yeah, so <laughs> she's a baby book, but not yeah. for babies. It's for real adults. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but tell us about it. I mean, it's just so cool. I'm obsessed with it. So tell oh, my listeners you. about it. Um, so it's called Mary Magdalene Never Wore Blue Eyeshadow, um, and this really the the content is in the subtitle, which is how to trust the Bible when truth and tradition collide. Mm -hmm. And, um, this is, this is what I've become obsessed with, I guess, at this point in my life. When, when I was in my twenties, when I was about, I think 22, I was sitting in a class at Harvard Divinity School and we were reading the non-canonical gospel of Mary. So it's, it's not canonical, which means it's not part of the Bible and it's not part mm-hmm. of the Bible for a lot of really good reasons. Um, like most of the manuscript is missing and what it says doesn't really jive with the rest of scripture. But in this, we're reading it because it's still literature uh, from from the oh no, I think it's from like the third century. I can't remember, but anyway, it's early early Christian literature. Yeah, yeah. So we're reading it, and the teaching fellow. It, well, so the content is Jesus has given Mary some you know special knowledge that he hasn't given to everybody else, and she's trying to share it with the other apostles, and the other apostles are having none of it. And so my teaching fellow's question was to the classroom, why do you think that's the case? Why do you think that these guys weren't listening to Mary? Why do you think they valued what she had to say? And little old me, who was raised in the buckle of the Bible belt and was at church every (laughs) Sunday, every Wednesday, know my Bible back and forth, I think, raised my hand and go, oh, well, was it because she was a prostitute? (laughs) And... uh, Understand this was 2003. This is before the Da Vinci Code. And I feel like <laughs> it has been thoroughly debunked that Mary Magdalene was not a prostitute. But at yeah. that point, <laughs> it wasn't as common knowledge. And um, right. anyway, I make this comment and there's this little twit of a Harvard undergrad sitting. Oh, he was. He was just not a very nice person. <laughs> he was sitting across <laughs> from me. Um, and in my memory, he had always has on this like pink polo shirt with the collar like popped up oh on my. the back. Oh he no. he did literally lean back in his chair and like guffaw laugh. And he said, How did you make it to grad school without knowing that that's not true? Oh and gosh. I mean, of course I was thoroughly embarrassed. And I and and instantly I, combative honestly like what what do you mean I know that I'm right I've gone to church all of my life mm-hmm. well the teaching fellow took it up and explained that you know yes this individual was correct in spite of his pink polo shirt and that he um <laughs> it, it, anyway he the teaching fellow handled it with a lot of grace and made me mm-hmm. feel so uh, somewhat better well so Unlike that night rude guy oh yeah yeah <laughs> so that night my mom I called my mom to tell her and my mom may have been even angrier about it than I was because she's like, no, no, Amanda, they are wrong. And the reason I know they were wrong is because when I was a child, we did an Easter, um, what do they call those? An Easter like play. We, mm-hmm. And I was cast as Mary Magdalene. And your grandmother covered my face in makeup and blue eyeshadow so that everybody knew that I was Mary Magdalene, the prostitute. Oh my gosh. Like, I, I mean, I just know, I just know. And so, you know, over the years I thought about this and I realized that's at least three generations of women in my family who um, actually were 
raised in various denominations of the church who were always at the church when, you know, when the doors were open, but we all three firmly believed there was something in the Bible that is not there. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's where the title comes from. And that's a lot of what the Bible is. Well, a lot of what the book is about is differentiating between what scripture actually says and, you know, what, what we think scripture says. And right. oftentimes that's the, the traditions um, that have, that have built up around the stories. Mm, I know I, so I guess this is kind of maybe the whole point or thesis of your book, but I loved how, you know, towards the very beginning, you're talking mm-hmm. about how we need to know the difference between what God says in the Bible and what people are saying about the Bible, mm-hmm. which I think is so huge now because it's so easy with media to, yes. I mean, literally like my podcast, you know, mm-hmm. replacing the Bible with things like podcasts or sermons from well-known uh, Christian pastors or yeah. music, you know, just all the media in today's world and all the books that are being put out. It's mm-hmm. so easy to replace that with yeah. going back to scripture or mm-hmm. just whatever is being thrown around in today's culture and yeah. trying to line that up with scripture. Yes. It is so easy to do. So let's kind of talk about some of those common ways that we're tempted to listen to people or culture over the Bible. Um. I I think you hit on a lot of it when you said that it's it's easier maybe to yeah. listen to a podcast or read a book or something like that and um it definitely I mean I think it can be easier and a lot of that I I've I've been involved in like the Christian publishing industry for over 10 years now with editing books and and ghostwriting and things like that and I think there is maybe an unconscious push within especially women's ministry to Mm. tell women, read this book. It will make your life easier. You know, like um, I read this book and you'll learn, you know, how to feel better about yourself or, you know, seven Mm -hmm. ways to get closer to the Holy spirit or something like that. And it's like, there's this push telling, telling women subliminally, you don't have the time. You maybe aren't smart enough to be able to read the Bible and understand the Bible and study the Mm -hmm. Bible. So here, let us make it easy for you. And, um, I, I, that's, that's sad because I'm afraid the result of that has been a generation or more of women have, have gotten older and thought that, they aren't smart enough. Like, well, I didn't go to Harvard. I, mm. you know, didn't, I don't have a ministry degree. I'm not a pastor. So I must not be qualified to study the Bible myself or read the Bible myself. And that's mm. absolutely not true. Um, I, I want to encourage women to dive into the Bible and there's going to be stuff in there that makes you really uncomfortable. Like, when I mm-hmm. realized Mary Magdalene wasn't a prostitute, um, you're, you're going to encounter things that, that challenge what you have been taught to believe your entire life. But that's okay because God wants us interacting with the scripture. That's how we get to know him. He's a very relational God. And think about relationships in in your in your world today. You can't mm-hmm. just you know read a bio about somebody 
you know, read, read a synopsis of them and have a relationship with them. You have to get to know them and work with them one-on-one and spend time together. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what we all need to be doing with the Bible. And when you come up across things that make you uncomfortable, I think that's exactly where God wants us to kind of press into the scripture and, you know, dig down and, you know, find commentaries or, you know, read more, think, pray, spend time in those places that make us uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Because mm-hmm. that's where he's really going to reveal stuff to, to right. us. Right. So. It's so true. Yeah. I feel so. like I have conversations a lot, you know, surrounding hard topics or just mm-hmm. things that, that can be difficult to talk about mm-hmm. and the different ways that it's, you know, being bounced around in culture. And so, mm-hmm. like how you said, okay, well, then just go get alone and get in your Bible and start mm-hmm. to study and start to listen you know, let's not, let's not go research all these different articles or whatever it is. While Mm -hmm. those things can be great as like supplemental material, right? But like getting back to like the primary source. Absolutely. Um, And yes, absolutely. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) You're like, yep, you got it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I also wanted to talk about uh, your chapter. I loved it. Too many cooks cookbooks in the Christian kitchen Mm -hmm. and you kind of hit on legalism Mm -hmm. and how that can really get in the way of a true relationship with God. So, you know, can you kind of give us some ways that we can be aware of legalism as 20 somethings? Um, I, I actually think this is an outgrowth of what we were talking about, you know, just a second ago about how we tend to listen to people or the culture or something like that. Mm -hmm. I think that's where legalism comes from, but I think it's been 2000 years of that, of us listening to the people who came before us. That's Mm -hmm. where denominations came from. It came from humans getting into the Bible. I mean, spiritually inspired humans, I'm sure in many, many cases, but then getting in arguments and splitting apart. And then whatever it was that caused a fissure in a Christian relationship, I think lots of traditions would build up around that tradition or around mm-hmm. that, that, that fissure. And yeah. those traditions really are, are legalism. That's where it comes mm-hmm. from. And so mm-hmm. I think the, the hardest thing to do when you look at the Bible is to read it and realize what's not there. Mm-hmm. And so I would first off encourage people when you're, when you're thinking about, you know, uh, is it okay to, is it okay to drink wine? There are definitely denominations who say that that's absolutely wrong. Go to the scripture and read, and not just a verse here and a verse there. It's really important that you read books of the Bible in their totality because that's the way mm-hmm. they were written. And they are their own context in many cases. But, you know, read what Paul has to say across all of his letters. And mm-hmm. after you've read, would you come to the same conclusion yourself that, you know, all of these traditions maybe have come to about whatever the topic happens to be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the, I mean, just, just pick anything, pick any Christian hot topic. And I think start there. Um, and that's, I mean, that's challenging because you're essentially, yeah. you're, you're throw you're, you're throwing away your comfort zone. Um, I, I have failed. I'm a very type A kind of person. Um, I love my checklists. I love to be in control. I want to manhandle things. Um, you know, my, my next book is due in January and I'm just like, I have a vice grip on my, my calendar and like, I'm just trying to make everything fit. 
<laughs> that that's who I am. And that's something I fight against every single day. And I think mm-hmm. legalism is, you may not realize it, but I think it's really attractive to me and mm-hmm. probably a lot of other type A people because legalism gives you humanity's checklist for what you can do, how you can behave, you know, to mm-hmm. get in God's good graces or get into heaven. And yeah. All of that, all, I mean, we've got 2000 years now of rules that humans have set up that are, you know, geared toward making us behave in a certain way that those maybe humans wanted us to behave. And it Mm -hmm. may or may not jive with scripture. So we need to be willing to let go of those things, go back to scripture, let go of trying to control what God has to say to us too. Mm-hmm. Um, we all do want to control it. I mean, that's, that's ultimately, I mean, that was the first sin, you know, we all wanted to be God. We all wanted knowledge of good and evil or Adam and Eve wanted knowledge of good and evil. And, right. um, they did their best to reach out and grab, you know, grab that piece of fruit and, and become gods themselves, be able to control things themselves, as opposed to, you know, sitting back and, and listening to what God, you know, had, had for them. Yeah, I like that you mentioned, you know, being type A, you know, you know, those that are type A or like Enneagram one or Enneagram three, things like that. Legalism probably comes as more of a challenge because mm-hmm. of just how you're wired. Yeah. Um, I'm very different, but that's good. But I need, I need more of that um, structure and organization mm-hmm. in my life would mm-hmm. help me. Um, <laughs> but I can see how that can totally be uh, more of a challenge. And I was also thinking about, you know, how a lot of times coming into your twenties is like you have you know either grown up at the church or maybe you haven't you kind of go off to college you're coming out of college somewhere in that season and you really have to think about like okay what I was fed as a kid um spiritually like is that accurate like does that line up with scripture you kind of have to go back and like see some of these um you know truths or things that you've been given like does that line up and sometimes like I feel like within my friend groups and things like that, I have heard a lot of legalism come up as what they were taught growing up, even yeah. in a Christian church, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, in different denominations and things like that. So having mm-hmm. to kind of be aware of like the different things that we were taught and kind mm-hmm. of be able to line those up and and try to fit it with what scripture is saying which is really hard. It is. It is. And I, I guess it depends on your personality, but I'm, I'm a person. I obviously love history and I have a lot of respect for what came before me. And I think when you question something you've been taught your whole life, it part of what makes that scary for me is it feels disrespectful. Like if, mm-hmm. if I question what I've been taught all of my life, then it, am I thumbing my nose at, at the people who taught me that? Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's that just makes it that much harder to be willing to step out of what you have all, always believed, but that's what growth is. And mm-hmm. I mean, we should be learning. The Holy Spirit should be speaking to us and changing us every single day. And if you believe the same things in your thirties that you did in your twenties, then, you know, really consider, I mean, how much work have you done toward growth? I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's important that we 
that, that we learn more and understand why we believe what we believe as opposed to, you know, my church told me it's a sin to, to drink wine. I'm just going to pick on that one because it's easy, but you know, mm-hmm. my church told me that it's a sin and then just holding on to that forever as opposed to, you know, taking the time to evaluate, to figure out, well, where did that tradition come from? Mm-hmm. Do I agree with the way that they got there? Um, you know, yes or no. And then moving forward in life, believing what we believe now, just because you end up changing your mind and just because you end up disagreeing with maybe something that you, a tradition that you, you've held your entire life, it doesn't mean you have to become disrespectful or Mm. um, look down on other people who maybe believe differently than you do. And I think that that's been a challenge for me too. If you, if you study the Bible academically, like in college um, or anywhere, my, my, I found that my professors were um, a bit arrogant when it came to the text uh, in undergrad, I don't know that any of them were really Christians. In graduate school, most of my professors were um, conservative Jews, so they at least they they had a, a, a reverence mm-hmm. for the Bible, but less mm-hmm. so in undergrad. And um, those professors, I noticed, tend to kind of look down their noses at Bible believing Christians as you know unenlightened people and you know just fools essentially. And mm-hmm. that is absolutely not the attitude that we should have we're all at a different point in our, in our spiritual development and God wants us loving each other and encouraging each other. And when we disagree about, you know, the things that aren't the big things, the things that don't matter, um, we don't need to let that be a reason for us to talk badly about other people, hate other people, unfriend people, you know, Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Instead, you know, we just need to accept, you know, okay, you know, we're, we're maybe at a, at a different place when it comes to these little things that just, that don't matter. And and that's okay because I still yeah. love you. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the, yeah, like you said, there's a way to go about it. That's loving mm-hmm. that maybe it's just, here's what I've learned. And yeah. it's not in a way that's like, well, here's how you should change it. And here's why this yeah. is right. You know, just explaining, you know, after, you know, doing some research, like this is, mm-hmm. this is what I've come up with. This is what I learned. And, you know, out of all respect, like, you know, this is this is nothing that I'm I'm trying to step on toes with. I just want to share what I've learned, you know. Right. Exactly. Um, and so, I, I mean, I think as you get older, maybe as you get into your 30s, <laughs> and yeah. you, you know, I, they say there's no substitute for age. And I'm kind of realizing that after spending a summer in a square with a lot of, um, I shouldn't say kids, but they were, you know, 19 year old people who were still in college, people younger than me. (laughs) And Uh honestly, people of technically I'm a millennial by one year, but you know, really (laughs) people of a different generation, um, and spending time with them and there, there is no substitute for age because the older, I think the older I get, maybe the more grace I have, um, as I look at other people and I, I like that about myself. I hope that continues because I know what things I was so terribly, you know, wrong or misinformed about when I was younger and how much I have changed and evolved. And so that gives me grace for people who are, you know, a different place in their, in their path and their development, Mm -hmm. you know, God's working Mm -hmm. on something else in their lives and he's working, you know, with me on. And so yeah. I need to give them grace for, for, for those differences. For sure. For sure. So, okay. I would love to jump in to our mm-hmm. last three questions that okay. I asked 
yeah. every guest that comes on the podcast. All right. So I'm excited to hear your answers. But um, and this maybe kind of goes with what we were talking about. But what's yeah. one thing that you wish you knew as a 20 something? Um, definitely, as I was saying a minute ago, that that I'm not done growing and that that's okay. I don't have to, I don't have to know everything right now. Um, just because, you know, society says you're an adult or whatever, you're, God's not going to be done with you, you know, and, until you're with him, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. it. You're not going to know everything until, until you're with him. And so it's just, I wish I'd known that it's okay to, to ask questions and to be uncomfortable with things and mm-hmm. that academically that way. And then also thinking about back about my years of infertility, all of that, all that works together. Same thing about thinking about what my family would look like in the future. And all of these plans that my husband, David and I had, um, that we tried so hard to, to manhandle God into giving us what we want. Cause we think we thought we had this perfect vision for our future when mm-hmm. really God had something different and better. And we needed to become closer to him and be willing to grow and be willing to change and be willing to do uncomfortable things so that, I mean, so that he could give us his best. Yeah. That's good. I can totally relate to that. Good. Good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Usually pretty much everything. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Please help us Lord. (laughs) And I think a lot of it maybe is that like whole type a thing feeling like, you know, I, you know, I always need to make an A on the test. I always need to have a hundred percent of everything. And Mm. in school, when you spend that first, you know, 18 plus years of your life in school where everything you do is judged at the end by a test, I think it wires you a certain way. It makes you, it makes you outcome driven as opposed to journey driven. Mm -hmm. Um, and and adulthood's not that way. I mean, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to our relationship with God, it's not outcome driven. I, I mean, I personally believe, I guess if, if the outcome you're going for is being in heaven with God, I like to think yeah. I have that locked down, um, <laughs> but, but, but now it's all about the journey. It's all about growing and learning and being wrong and learning how to handle that with grace and mm. letting God teach me. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, a, a, adulthood is not, it's all about A, B's and C's. Right. It, you Which know, is hard about, because for the first, you know, 18 years of your yeah. life, that's what that's, that's it. all you know. That's mm-hmm. it. And I feel like it's even worse now for for the people who are younger than me because uh, education, I, I, I went to public school and education was not so um, like test driven um, as far as like mm-hmm. national testing. It wasn't so test driven when I was there. And there was, I think, a mm-hmm. little more latitude to, you know, it's okay to you know, make a B in a more challenging class than to have to have the A. And I'm not really sure that that's the way it is anymore. I mean, the country, Mm -hmm. everything is gearing these young people toward, you know, high grades, A's, 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 hundred percent, hundred percent. And that's, that's not what God, that's not the God, the life God wants for any of us. Right. Cause we just can't even achieve that. Like that's no. the whole point is that we, we can never achieve perfection. Only Jesus can. So Absolutely. that's why we need him. Yes. Uh, yes. It's so true. But it's, it's, it's um, hard. yeah, it's hard because it's, um, ah, I can't think of the word, but it's, it's like, it's the opposite of what we're wired to believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like it's, 
maybe I'm thinking of like performance driven is like mm-hmm. how we're growing up to, you know, that's how our brains are wired, but it's like the opposite of what Jesus is because he requires nothing of us. Yeah. It's, it's a contradiction. It's the exact opposite of everything that we are taught. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It may be contradictions, a good word, but yeah, it's, it is God's God's way is the opposite of the world's ways. And I'm seeing that more and more every day. <laughs> yeah. Just having to be aware of that and thinking mm-hmm. about the ways that, you know, where am I try- seeking to perform where yeah. God doesn't require anything of me? That's right. So that can be yeah. hard. So, all right. I want to hear what you are reading or listening to or watching these days or um, all three. Okay. Um, I, I definitely am a reader and I love historical fiction. Um, and right now I'm reading a book, it's called Southern Rain and it's by a new author. Her name's Tara Cowan. It's, um, it takes place in Charleston, South Carolina. And, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's historical fiction. So, you know, it's some love story, it's some history. It's, um, I don't know. I love it. It's, it's really good. I'm enjoying that a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of people like, um, this is probably my first American historical fiction. I tend to like Philippa Gregory and you know yeah. the other Boleyn girl, those kinds of things. So I mean honestly, okay, yeah. they're kind of trashy fiction, but it's like they come with a side of history and that makes it a little bit more okay <laughs> <laughs> to read. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm for it. I'm for it. Yeah. This Philippa Gregory's that way. Actually um Tara Cowan is not I would not call this trashy fiction at all. No, it's not. <laughs> there hasn't been any yeah, they haven't. No, yeah, it's this is I, I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, and then listening, I don't do a lot of music listening um, because I'm like never in the car. I'm always at home, and we only have one car. My husband drives it, so I'm usually kind of landlocked. And when I so I listen to what he listens to, and he has been getting into Canadian alternative music of late. Oh and my goodness! So yeah, I guess I'm listening to Canadian alternative music, which is not that different from American alternative music, except Mm. that I think um, what is what used to be considered alternative in the U S has now gone so mainstream. I don't even know if you can call it alternative anymore, but you know, a lot of indie driven, um, indie driven bands, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Anything you're watching? Um, I just finished the last season of the, or the most recent season of the crown. Oh, so, nice. I am a one note historical fiction. See, there you go. Yes. No, yeah. I <laughs> British love historical, historical fiction. fiction. Well. <laughs> yes. No, I've been wanting to watch that for sure. I love mm-hmm. historical fiction as well. I do read a lot of that as yeah. well. So um, that's that's on my list to watch for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So lastly, what is refreshing you these days? Like anything that's just giving you life? Um, one thing that consistently does is swimming. I, um, I've, I've been as, I have loved the water my whole life. Um, I'm, I'm a redhead and I'm the palest person on the planet. And my, my parents talked about when I was a kid, I would get in the water and they could not get me out. I, I was once admitted to the hospital with sunburns, like such severe sunburns in my body because I just loved being in the water and that's continued my whole life. Um, so just splashing into the cold water. And when you're swimming, there's nothing else you can really be doing. You can't be on your phone. You can't be your phone. You can't be, you know, it's just, it's just me and quiet. And I tend to count my strokes in between talking to God and that's it. And I, um, it's a, so it's a brain break. It's good for my body and the the water's just rejuvenating to me. So Mm -hmm. that, and then, um, 
because of my hip, I'm doing a lot of physical therapy and I'm getting back into yoga, which I used to do a lot of, um, but I'm returning to it now out of necessity. And that's great. I mean, just doing that forward bend where like, you know, your, your head is uh-huh. toward the ground and gravity is just like pulling your spine and stretching everything yeah. out. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I could just stay in that position all day. That makes Good me for the feel soul, so for sure. much better. Yes. yes. <laughs> just, just a um, forward yes. bend. <laughs> That's right. Downward dog. Downward yeah. dog. Yes. Yes. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for coming on. I really appreciate your words of wisdom, and I'm excited uh, of the idea of people being able to read your book. And good luck in in writing your next one. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I this was so much fun. It was so nice talking to you. Yes, you too, Amanda. Thank you. Hey gals, thanks again for listening in today and I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Amanda. I pray that you seek the word first and not try to find truth in all the extra supplemental understandings of the Bible. Also, I have an update on sweatshirts. So we are doing our final closeout sale on the last of the sweatshirts. So if you go to my website and enter the code CLOSEOUT, that's capital C-L-O-S-E-O-U-T, now through the end of the month of March, you can get 50% off a sweatshirt. What did you say 50% off, Emma? And my answer is yes, ma'am. So go get you one. Again, enter the code CLOSEOUT at checkout to get you 50% off. Lastly, I want to say a special thank you to my new patrons on Patreon. I have Maddie, Rebecca, and Sarah. Thank you so much for helping me run the show by giving $5 a month. It helps more than you know. And if you still haven't signed up to be a patron, it's not too late. I am currently sending out Water with Lemon postcards to all of those new patrons, and it can be you too. You can find me at patreon.com slash waterwithlemonpodcast, or find the link on my Instagram. Thank you for all that all of you do to support the show. I've got some really great episodes coming up, so stay tuned and stay fresh, my people.